Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Uh, it's great to see everybody here again. Um, I just want to start with this. I want to thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Um, yesterday, we were out on the waterfront uh, down at the Tall Ships Festival, and there was thousands of people, like literally thousands of people. Uh, Kirk and Sam and myself and a couple others were down there on this beautiful day, and we were handing out tracts. And it was amazing to us how many people actually received the Word of God, and uh, in a matter of a few hours, we gave out four, 4,000 tracts yesterday. So that's happening right here in our city, and I know that quite a number of you were praying. David told me that uh, he prayed for quite a while for us, and we really do appreciate that. So thank you for your prayers. I want to speak today and continue my theme on fundamental truth from the cross. My message today is entitled, Part 2, The Forgiveness of Sins. Now, you remember the last time I spoke, I read that verse that we're going to read again today about how the Lord Jesus said that in his name, repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached to the entire world. So the last time I spoke, I spoke on repentance, and this is my follow-up message entitled, The Forgiveness of Sins. Now, I've been preaching here for a number of months on fundamental truth, and I would say this, there is nothing, nothing more fundamental than the forgiveness of sins. Every person that has ever lived needs the forgiveness of their sins. You know, when I thought about that yesterday, I, I thought about our society, and I just want to say this. Every Supreme Court judge that judges other men's sins needs the forgiveness of his sins. Every prime minister that takes a leading role for a country, every senator, everyone that makes laws and enforces laws needs the forgiveness of their sins. Every priest that sits in a confessional and listens to the confessions of other men's sins, he needs the forgiveness of his own sins. Every preacher that stands upon a pulpit, including this preacher, this pulpit, this day, there is no exception. Everyone needs the forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, every high priest, every prophet, every person that took the place to speak for God needed the forgiveness of their own sins. So by way of opening, there is nothing more fundamental, more relevant to every one of us today than the forgiveness of sins. Without it, my friend, I have to tell you kindly, you will perish. Every person who leaves this world without the assurance that their sins are forgiven by the precious blood of Christ will die with those sins on their head and they will perish. But there's good news. You can have the forgiveness of your sins today. Having said that, 
there is a great deal of confusion about how sins are forgiven. You know, the thousands of people that we share the gospel with, when you ask them how their sins could be forgiven, you ask Kirk, you get an array of answers. Some people say, go to church. Some people say, I have to go to confession. Other people will say, baptism, good works. Do you know that there is so much confusion and there are so many people in this world today that are deceived about how their sins can be forgiven? If you look at these two pictures up here, this picture caught my attention. In the first week in January, it was found in the Globe and Mail. I remember I was traveling, and I picked up a Globe and Mail, and this is what I saw on the front page of the, of the paper. Literally millions of Hindus in India, in a 55-day festivity, would go down into the river Ganges in India to see if they could wash their sins away. And the ritual was that they would take ashes and dirt and they would, they would cover their face and their whole body. And the ritual was, that was supposed to be representative of their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. That they might go down into this mucky, dirty river with hopes that their sins would be forgiven. And it wasn't just a few. There was literally 110 million Hindus during the month of January that washed in the river Ganges hoping that their sins might be forgiven. Do you know that there are millions of Catholics that every year will take a pilgrimage hundreds of kilometers, walk, and some actually try to walk on their knees in hopes that their sins might be forgiven. There are literally millions upon millions of Muslims that visit Mecca every year. And their hope is that somehow when they go there and they spend thousands of dollars and they get on their knees and they pray to Allah, they hope that their sins might be forgiven. I want to be very clear today, and I want to share with you from the Word of God how sins are forgiven. The Bible says that forgiveness comes by repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel that Paul preached, Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. I want to share with you today a few scriptures that are going to tell us clearly from God's word how our sins can be forgiven. Turn with me please to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 and verse 33, and this is what it says. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, in your version might say the skull. There 
they crucified him, the Lord Jesus. Chapter 24, in verse 46, this is what Jesus said after he was raised from the dead. He met with his disciples and he says in verse 46 of chapter 24, Thus it is written that Christ, the Messiah, would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Catch this verse. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance part one, and the forgiveness of sins, part two, would be preached in his name to all the nations of the world. Now, let's see how this actually took place. Turn to the book of the Acts, please, chapter 13 and verse 38. Now, here Paul is in Antioch, Pisidia, in Asia Minor, going back to likely sometime around A.D. 40 to A.D. 50. And he is preaching. And this is what he says, Acts chapter 13 and verse 38. Let it be known unto you, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him... Not by religion, not by a church, not by baptism, not by washing in the river Ganges, by him. All that believe are justified. And your version might say, are set free from every sin. All that believe are set free from every sin from which... They could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now I'm going to read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. And it says, For when we were yet without strength, when we were weak, when we were powerless, had no ability to take away our own sin, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates or shows his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul says, Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. My last reading is in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. 
This is beautiful truth. This is the word of God, folks. This is not our words. This is what God says. In him, in whom, the Lord Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Friends, it gives me great pleasure today to tell you from the word of God, from God's own authority, how everyone in this meeting and everyone in this world can know that their sins have been forgiven. I think we could say that there is no louder message to mankind than what God has done when he gave his son Jesus to die upon the cross. In fact, the Bible says that. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God spake in times past by the prophets, by the word of God, by messengers, and people didn't listen. But now, God has spoken in this day through his son, Jesus Christ, who he made heir of all things, creator, sustainer of the entire universe, when he had by himself purged our sins, he rose from the dead, he ascended on high, and he sits at God's right hand today. The loudest message that God has to mankind today is, look at the cross. Repent and believe the gospel. That is the message that God wants everyone to hear today. Look at the cross. Repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In case you miss my message today, I, I want to encapsulize it in a summary statement. And this is my message today. God gave his one and only son to hang upon a cross to be crucified for your sins and mine so that he can offer forgiveness to every person in this world that believes on him. That's the message of the forgiveness of sins. It must have been an incredible day when those 11 disciples saw the Lord Jesus walk through the very door that was closed as they sat in that upper room. It must have been an amazing scene when the one that they had just saw be, be crucified was actually physically alive, risen from the dead, and he walked through the doors. And he says to Thomas, look at my hands, look at my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Those 11 disciples, they, they were in absolute awe. It actually says that they believed not for fear. They're, they're, they wanted to touch him. 
Were they seeing a vision? Was this reality? Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? Is he alive? We, we, just, we just saw him be crucified. Folks, this had never happened. In fact, it was impossible for this to happen other than Jesus being God, which he is. And so that day, when these 11 disciples are seeing the Lord Jesus stand right before him, and, and he, he shows him his hands and his feet and his side, and he says this. He said, Christ suffered for your sins. Now just think about that for a minute. Peter writes so many years later in 1 Peter chapter 2, and he says, For Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Jesus is standing alive, risen from the dead in their very midst, and he says this. This is what I love. He says, Go into all the world and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in my name. It's uh, 2017. A couple of thousand years have passed. We're still doing it. We're still out there sharing the gospel, the good news that your sins can be forgiven. There's not a person that has ever lived that's exempt. There's no limitations with God. The price has been paid. The blood has been shed. Your sins can be forgiven. This is a great message. I'm really sorry, but I get passionate about this because this is awesome. There's no better message that could be preached to the entire world than your sins could be forgiven. All of them. You can have a relationship with God. You can be in heaven forever. And all your past and the guilt that's on your conscience can be completely wiped out, gone forever. Because someone loved you enough to die in your place, to take your sin, to be your substitute, to die as your Savior. So you and I and everyone who believes in him can have the forgiveness of their sins. Folks, I, I am pleased today to tell you about the forgiveness of sins. It's available through Jesus Christ today. My last message, we considered repentance. And just to recap a little bit, because uh, some of you probably weren't here, I mentioned this. God values repentance. God commands repentance. All men everywhere are commanded to repent. Not only does God value repentance and commands repentance, God calls all men everywhere to repent. And the message of the gospel is go out and tell people this message. Repent and believe on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I want to say this because I want to make this point. In, in relation to fundamental truth, this message has been preached to all men in every age 
all down through the years. That through repentance and faith, their sins can be forgiven. Let me illustrate that. Starting at the very beginning, when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden because of their sin, was that the end of the road for them? No. God made a sacrifice. They repented, and their relationship was restored to God. How about Cain? You know, there's a lot of Cains that are still living today. You know, we like to, you know, prepare the best that we have and come and, and give it to God and say, you know, I, I'm actually not a bad person. I go to church. I, uh, I try to give money to the poor. I don't walk by that homeless person. I feed them. I, I do all these good things. And see, God, this is what makes me righteous. There's a lot of Cains today that actually literally do that. And they say, I I'm really a good person. But God's not looking for good works. In fact, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you got no good works. Okay? There is no righteousness that we could offer to God that could merit favor or value in the sight of God. In fact, if you want to know what the Bible says, it says all our righteousnesses are just like rags in the sight of God. So Cain comes to God and he offers all this hard labor of fruit that he's prepared. God doesn't accept it. God says, I want blood. I want a sacrifice. I want to illustrate this point. And so Abel, he brings that little innocent lamb and he kills it and he offers it to God. And Cain is angry, jealous. Oh, he's furious. And God says to Cain, Cain, why are you angry? There's no difference. If you do right, you will be accepted. That's the message today, 6,000 years later. Come God's way, repent of your sin, and believe on Jesus Christ, and you will be accepted with God. Amen? No questions asked. Let me go a little bit further in the history of mankind. How about Noah? Thousands of people. And you know what it says about them? It says all the imagination of their heart was only wicked and evil continually. Does it remind you of the day and age in which we live? Yeah, it does. And God says, I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. And he says to Noah, Noah, go out into the streets and preach righteousness. For how long, God? About 100 years. What? Yeah, maybe 120 years. How many people you think he saw converted? Zero. God is offering repentance and salvation, but nobody wants to take it. Eight people were saved, and the entire world was wiped out. God in every age has offered repentance and forgiveness of sins. Go a little bit further. How about Sodom? Sodom and Gomorrah. God says, I'm going to destroy that city. It's evil. Similar to the sin that we have today that is so rampant. And he says, if I could find 10 righteous people, just 10, I'm not going to destroy the city. For 10 righteous people that have repented and believed God, how many did Abraham find? 
zero. So, Kirk, it shouldn't surprise you when you go out into the streets today. Be encouraged. Noah preached for 100 years. <laughs> How about the nation of Israel, God's chosen people? Did they ever have to repent of their sin? Oh, my goodness. 40 years they wandered in a circle because of unbelief and unrepentance. God offered them repentance and the forgiveness of sins. You know what the verse is in Job's day? Job chapter 33, verse 24 to 30, it says this, and this is relevant today. God says, if any person will say, I have sinned, I have perverted what is right, and it profits me nothing, then God says, save that person from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Deliver him, because I have found a ransom. If any person will repent, change their mind, their thinking, acknowledge their sin, and believe God's word, they'll be delivered. They'll be saved. They'll be sure of the forgiveness of their sins. Let me give you one more illustration. Jonah. Jonah goes into the city of Nineveh. Millions of people in this city. This was a huge city and just had committed atrocities. What's no Jonah's message? Now, Jonah didn't want to go do this. Okay? Jonah actually ran away from God, got swallowed by a whale, got coughed up, changed his thinking, went back into the city. Jonah knew this message pretty clear because he had experienced it. Repent, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Repent. Imagine Jonah walking through the city. Repent. Repent. 40 days and God's going to destroy this city. Repent of your sin. That's God's message. Is it not the same today? Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ will give you the forgiveness of your sins. It's the very same today. God is offering forgiveness from the cross to each and every person that is willing to be honest with God. Do you know what I want to say? God values an honest and a tender heart. And most of us have a hard, rebellious, proud heart. I say that honestly. And you know what? I'm no different. And every single one of us that stand up here, we are exactly the same. We are full of our pride and we are full of good works. And God wants everyone today to just peel back all the layers. You know what he wants? He wants people to be real with God. He wants people to be honest. He wants people to look themselves in the mirror and say, I have sinned. I am guilty. I need repentance and forgiveness. And to every honest heart, 
Every person that's honest and is willing to come clean with God and accept God's terms, their sins will be forgiven. No questions asked. Ask David, King David, the man after God's own heart, saved by the grace of God. One day he wrote, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. Blessed is the one whom God will not impute iniquity to. One day he wrote this. Lord, if you will mark iniquity, who will stand? Psalm 130 and verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I'm going to tell you today, we have a great God. We have a God who is able, ready, and willing to forgive sin. And by the way, he's the only one that can forgive sin. Because all sin is first and foremost against God. Psalm 51. I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. David says when he experienced that that awful, awful experience in his life when he committed adultery and murder. And about two years later, he, he's weeping in full repentance, and he says, all sin is first and foremost against God. But here's the good news. God is able, ready and willing to forgive all sin. All sin. Kirk and I go out in the streets and we tell people about the forgiveness of sins. Occasionally, we run into people and you know what they'll say? Oh man, God just can't forgive my sin. You don't know how dark it is. You don't know what I've done. We'll run into people that will actually say that they have murdered people. They have done the worst atrocities. I say this, is there any sin that God can't forgive? No, there's not. Every single sin can be forgiven by a just and a righteous God because he's made provision. The forgiveness of sins. David experienced it, and here's what he said. This is what God values, a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Do you know what that is? Somebody that's willing to just humble themselves before God and say, I I'm, I'm guilty. I've done this. I have broken God's law, but there is forgiveness with God, and that is awesome. That is the best message that anyone can ever hear, forgiveness of their sins from the cross. I absolutely love this one verse. Um, there it is right there. Acts 13 and verse 39. And Kirk hears me preach this verse many, 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 many times on the streets. I love this verse. Paul goes into Antioch, Pisidia, almost a couple thousand years ago, and he preaches this message. Through this man is preached unto you forgiveness of sins. And some who believe, no, no. No, that's not what it says. And all who believe are justified, 
set free from every sin that they could ever have committed by believing in Jesus Christ. All who believe are set free from every sin. Uh, Paul, did, did you experience this yourself? Who is Paul? Paul writes a, a little commentary about himself in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, I was a blasphemer. I was injurious. I threw Christians in prison. I murdered them. I slaughtered them. He was the worst of all sinners. What did he call himself? The chief of sinners. And yet he understood this simple, profound, amazing truth. 1 Timothy 1 and 15. This is a faithful saying. Worthy to be accepted by the entire world. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Wow. Paul goes into Antioch, Pisidia with the full knowledge of his sins forgiven. Paul, what about your past? You, you, you're not qualified to tell these people. You're a murderer. You, you, you're responsible for stoning Stephen. You blaspheme God, and now you're up here in Antioch, Pisidia. He says, you know what? Hold it. My sins are forgiven. Paid in full by the precious blood of Christ. I say this. Every single person in this meeting today that has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. All of them. The dark ugliness of your past. I don't know what it is, and you don't know mine. But God knows. And every single one of us have accumulated a debt of sin. Some are this high. Some are this high. Some are higher than the roof. Every single one of us have accumulated a debt of sin. And God is able to forgive all sin. I'm going to tell you an illustration that illustrates this in a few minutes. These are my three points that I really want everybody to get today. These three points right here are fundamental truth from the Bible about forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness of sins can only be offered because of the cross. Folks, if there was no cross, there would be no forgiveness of sins. Okay, that rules out every false religion without a cross. No cross, no forgiveness of sins. Allah cannot forgive sins without a payment price. Without the cross, there's no forgiveness. God can't forgive sins without a righteous payment. There is tremendous truth in Hebrews 9, verse 26 to 28. Here's what it says. It says, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Let me make this point. If you look at the original, do you know what this means? It means once for all time. That's what the word actually means. This will never be repeated. Once for all time, Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. And then it says, he appeared to put away sin 
by the sacrifice of himself. That's why he came. Sure, he was a good man, great teacher, did great works, left a great example, but he was infinitely more than that. He was the one for only and all time the bearer of sin, God's one and only sacrifice to take away our sin. Forgiveness of sins can only be offered because of the cross. My second point is this. Forgiveness of sins can only come through the blood. Without the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And if you want to argue that point, the Bible says very, very clearly in Hebrews chapter 9, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Why is that? Because God is holy. And God is righteous, and he can't overlook sin. Righteous payment had to be made. And at the cross, a ransom price was paid to take away our sin. And the ransom price was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 19, there's, there's an amazing verse, and it says this. It says, we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver, gold, money, or by any kind of covetous means. But we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. I know that you guys don't know this guy called Harold Paisley. There's a man who was a phenomenal preacher. He's dead now. And he said this. He said, the five most valuable words in the English language are these five words. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Christ. The most valuable words in the English language. Why are they so valuable? Because of who he is and what he has done can take away my sin and yours, and nothing else can. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, it says this, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. And I say, cleanses me. And you can say, cleanses you from all sin. Nothing but the precious blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. Here's my third point. Forgiveness can only come by faith. Folks, I, I, we could tell you this message for 100 years like Noah did. And if you don't believe it, it'll do nothing for you. Nothing. It has to be accepted by faith. And Romans 3 and verse 22 to 27 are key verses that clearly teach that. This right here is fundamental truth. The righteousness of God comes by faith in Jesus Christ unto all who believe in him. So if you believe that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came from heaven, died on the cross, shed his blood for you personally, then by faith, you are declared righteous 
in the sight of God. You're justified, and nothing can take that away. Forgiveness can only come by faith. Romans 3 and 25 says, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the forgiveness of sins. So how does this all happen? I'm guilty. You're guilty. We've all accumulated a debt of sin that nothing that we can do can ever pay. But we understand this. God loves me. I don't know how, but this is amazing. God loves me. And he sent his one and only son to die upon a cross for my sin. And if I believe on him, plus nothing, if I believe on him who died for my sin, then I am declared righteous in the sight of God. My sins are forgiven. My faith and my trust is in him not a church, not a religion, not a person, not a baptism, nothing that I have done. My faith is in him. What do we sing? My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed, but in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it says, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. It says to declare his righteousness for the forgiveness of sins to everyone who believes in him. Ephesians 1 and 7 says in him no one else nothing else in him we have redemption that means we've been bought we've been delivered from our sin he's purchased us even the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace folks that is just amazing you don't deserve it i don't deserve it we're all sinners God loves us, and in his mercy and grace, has provided salvation to everyone who has faith in him because of the cross and because of his resurrection. Everyone who believes in him enjoys both now and forever the forgiveness of, your, of their sins. So let me wrap this up with a quick question. Are your sins forgiven? It's a personal question. You don't need to answer me. But as you walk out of here today, ask yourself this before God. Are my sins forgiven? And then ask this, on what basis? My sins are forgiven because of the precious blood of Christ that was shed for me. And I, by faith, have believed on him. And God says that I have the forgiveness of my sins. So I just got back from Ireland I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I was in Scotland a couple weeks ago in, in Ireland. And uh, I want to tell you this quick story because this is amazing. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the Troubles in Ireland. But there was like a major war going on in the 1960s right up until the mid-1980s. And Northern Ireland was a war-torn zone. And there was the IRA and there was the UDA and there was the British Army, and it was chaos, and thousands and thousands of people were killed. So I went to this museum in Belfast last Thursday, and there's a tremendous amount of history about Bloody Sunday, about the Good Friday Agreement, um, about all the history and all these people. And here's this newspaper article. This is amazing. It tells the story of this guy called um, 
Desi O'Hare. I'm just going to pull it up on here so I get it right. Desi O'Hare, here's where it says. One of the most wanted men in Ireland has become a born-again Christian by believing on Jesus Christ. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you know who this guy is? Let me tell you about this guy. He was implicated in the murders of 30 people. He was arrested in 1987 during a kidnapping in which he mutilated and cut off a person's limbs. He was charged, he was convicted, and he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. And in 2006, under the terms of the Good Friday Agreement, when peace was settled in Northern Ireland, this man was released from prison. And he found his way into a gospel hall. And he heard the gospel preached that whosoever will may come and that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is able to cleanse us from all sin. This man was convicted to his very core. He threw himself down upon the ground and he begged God for mercy. You know what the end of that story is? He trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and he's saved by the grace of God. And this newspaper article says, Notorious criminal, most wanted man in Ireland, nicknamed the Border Fox, was born again by believing in Jesus Christ at a gospel hall in Northern Ireland. Folks, if this guy can get saved, and if the Apostle Paul can get saved, and if John Wells can get saved, then I'm confident that I can say to every person here and on the waterfront today, whosoever will may come for the forgiveness of their sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will have the guarantee upon the authority of God's word of the forgiveness of your sins. Let's pray. Father, we bow today with thanksgiving for the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of Christ. We know that it is of infinite value. It cleanses us from all of our sin. And we thank you that you so love the world that you gave your son that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had to open the scriptures. May our hearts be opened and may we go from this place rejoicing in the knowledge of our sins forgiven, knowing that our guilt is gone and our conscience is clear and we'll be able to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven forever and experience eternal life. And we bow and thank you for this and we just also commit us to you as we depart from this place and pray for those that will go down onto the waterfront this afternoon and give out tracts that many people would hear the gospel and repent and believe and that God would save souls in this city. We just commit us to you and ask your rich blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.